Hey guys, it's Casey here for your ad of the week. Happy Monday. We hope you are doing well in this crazy world. We have an amazing deal going on this week, starting today all the way through the 27th, 15% off Bitches Talk the Task List. If you love listening to this podcast every Monday, I can only tell you how much more you're going to love us going through every single section of the task list from FK1 all the way to K11 with real raw relatable examples and the typical bitchy banter that you always can expect to get when you listen to the Behavior Bitches podcast. It's one of my favorite products we put out and it, it, it took us way too long, but it came out and it came out good. So you can get 15% off. We offer one month packages two-month packages or four-month packages, and that is your access period. So you figure out how long you want to listen to the bitches talk the task list. Head over to the website, studynotesaba.com, and get yours. We are so super grateful and thankful, and we love you, and we mean it. Study Notes ABA, ABA in a little X-rated way. It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are here with episode 70 freaking five. Casey, what do you have for us today? I will tell you, I've been waiting on bated breath for this podcast. Um, Episode 75, today's guest has kept our effing podcast alive. So thank you to our guests. And by keeping our podcast alive, we were doing a count of how many episodes have resulted in me watching one TED talk on this guest and thinking I was a hostage negotiator and then us getting in touch with this guest and this guest putting us in touch with a million other guests. How many guests have we gotten? This is like a tongue twister. How many guests have you guessed of the guest of the guest? How <laughs> many guests have we had as a result of this person we're having today? I believe after counting today, it's seven. And one of those guests was a three-part series. So that's 10. So if he, that episode dropped on episode 25, which was put the gun down. So reference that episode. And we're at 75. I have not calculated the percentage, but it's a pretty high percentage. And some of our most listened to podcasts have been these guests. So, and this guest has been someone that we've been in contact with. From that day on episode 25, when he reached out and we've just formed a friendship, it's just been so special and I could not be more excited. First, we do need to do a review of the day. We got to start ourselves off with some positive reinforcement, some SR plus, you Let's know, we love it. that shit. All right. So it's from Miss Dasha. These bitches are the best. My work bestie and I listen to your podcast and geek out together at lunch. We relate to the two of you so hard and see ourselves in the two of you. We are in our graduate program together and you make behavioral concepts real and relatable. We love you for it. Mean it, Jen and Nicole. Jen and Nicole, we love that. We love that you're studying together. You're talking it out. I love that you found the Casey to your Liat. I, I give that blessing to everyone for the new year. I hope that you find your Casey to your Liat or vice versa. Because it's fucking cool having a great friend like that and life partner. Also, life partner, you know what I mean. Um, I guess we are life partners. We did get one message today on LinkedIn, which I'm going to add in. It is from Robert Wallander. Every now and then I check in on LinkedIn. Um, actually, our guest today is probably one of the only reasons I do because I <laughs> chat with him on the Yeah, And they... 
Robert Roach. He is a BCBAD. Love your PCAST. That's a cool way to write it. Recommended it to all my peeps in ABA. I tell them these the bitches that give that keep me in stitches. And and he that. thought that might be a good tagline for us. And I think it's great. And we really appreciate it. And we are going to trademark it. So thank you so much for that. And guys, you know where to leave us reviews. I love it. I know I come across desperate every time, but I'm not shy. So go leave a five-star review. And if it's not a five-star, don't leave one at all. <laughs> and without further ado, let's get started with our guest today. All right. I'm so um, pumped. I'm so pumped too. I mean, this has been needing to happen for a long time. Our guest today is Scott Tillema. Okay. It is Tillema, not Scott Tillema, because Tillema rhymes with dilemma, and it's not a dilemma. That's how we're going to remember it. It is Scott Tillema. Tillema, Tillema. Okay. Casey, Casey already can't <laughs> pronounce anything. I'm not like, I just, say it. <laughs> I just heard her cooking dinner a minute ago, and she's like, Aliyah, we're having bed of greens and scallops on. I'm like, it's fucking scallops, damn it. <laughs> And I'll never get it right. I'll never get it right. And I'm okay with that. So let's talk a little bit about Scott. Okay. So first off, an informal introduction is that episode 25 that we did of Put the Gun Down, Liat had basically messaged me and was like, hold the phone, put everything away. We can do nothing until we do this episode on hostage negotiation. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean behaviorally? And I have no idea. And she sent me this TED talk by this awesome guy. I watched it. I took so many notes, which I was like, excited for and um and then he reached out to us after hearing it which was like oh my god he he, he listened he heard this which we're gonna get into all that but i just want to introduce introduce who scott is and why he's so special to us so this is the like you know traditional bio but he's a nationally recognized speaker in the field of police negotiations He's presented to thousands of police negotiators at conferences across the country and he's also delivered a tedx talk which is the one that you can reference episode 25, put the gun down. He holds a master's degree in psychology and has received negotiation training at Harvard university. Hashtag That's a big deal. deal. I would literally mm -hmm. mark that everywhere. If that was We're me. twins. Um, he's also on faculty with the Shriner negotiation Institute and was recently named as a trainer for the hostage and crisis negotiation international Academy. This guy does it all. He is a content presenter and the coolest thing about him. I have to tell you, this is not part of his bio, is that I got a message from him that he just did a recent presentation um, on hostage negotiation and resources, and he included the Behavior Bitches podcast as a icon in the presentation, which I was like, I couldn't love you more. Um, he's also popped into our morning meetings in quarantine, which we'll talk about too. Scott, welcome to the show. Hi, Casey. Hi, Liat. How are you? We're so good. We are so in love right now. We are so <laughs> in love. Like, if I was an emoji, I'd be a heart eye. Like my cheeks are blushing. This is the coolest thing for me to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Um, we, we've got so much to talk about. I, I hope we, we don't have any formal questions that we can just hang out. Um, I, I've been I think a lot of it a is that. Time. A, a, a lot of it is going to be that because there's so much. And now we're already hostage negotiator experts. So, I mean, we really could just shoot the shit. But I just want to thank you, first of all, because let me tell you, when I heard that TED Talk that you did, Mm -hmm. It all started, I was watching one show on Netflix. What's the one show with the hostage negotiator? Whatever it is. Someone told me to watch it. Then I started Googling hostage negotiation. Then I came across you on TED Talk. And then I decided to do this podcast on it. And 
didn't really do much more research than that. I mean, did some, but, and I'm like, we're like, we really hope that whoever hears this, but we didn't think we really reached that far. It's not like, who the hell are these two girls calling themselves the behavior bitches <laughs> acting like they know how to um, be a hostage negotiator. And the feedback you have given us has kept us going. So thank you so much. It was fun. Can I share with you how I even came upon that episode yes. and how I even started listening? So um, I'm on LinkedIn. That's pretty much my only social media platform that I'm involved with. And I got um, one of your listeners, and, and you must have millions of listeners, one of them reached out, and I think it was January, and, um, and she had said, you know, I, I just listened to your uh, podcast episode on, you know, behavior bitches, and, and it was great. And, uh, you know, I, I started thinking, I was like, I don't, I don't remember doing that podcast before. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't know what, what this person was talking about. So, you know, I, I go and, and I start checking behavior bitches and, and I'm like, all right, it's a podcast. And then I find the episode that you did put the gun down. And um, I started listening and it starts off with a, um, the ABA commercial. And I was like, okay. And then it went into the jingle, the guitar jingle, the study notes, ABA. And I was like, oh, I don't yeah. like this. I said, I just, I just don't like this. And, um, and then, you know, she wraps up in an X-rated sort of way. And I looked down at my phone and I was like, she just say an X-rated sort of way. And then you guys went into the behavior bitches jam. And I was like, oh, I like this a lot because like, you totally got me. Like I was set up to think, no, this is not my thing and I'm not liking it. And then boom, that surprise. And, and I listened all the way through and it was very, very cool. And I was honored that you took time to listen to my TED talk and share my work with uh, your audience. And, and I was, I was very, very hooked on your podcast. I felt like I was one of your tribe and, uh, and, and I want to reach out and say hello. And it was, it was cool that you guys uh, said hello. And, and we started that conversation. That was like our shining moment. Like when Liat sent me this message that you were like, you'd reached out you were like, Hey bitches. Like, you know, I see this, that you like referenced my Ted talk. And I think what you did was awesome. And, you know, I, I remember I spent a lot of time outlining that podcast. Um, I listened you to your TED. Oh yeah, I probably listened to it like five or six times and took like our. But notes I usually give. I listen like briefly to things. Casey um, will go and like really do all the studying, like find out every single thing about you. She probably knows like where you like to buy your underwear from and shit like that. And so Casey did do a lot of work in this nego this hostage negotiation episode. She did, she did great, and that was your first on air fight, if I remember it, because you guys were arguing. <laughs> about the guy with the knives or the guy with the guns. And Casey I was had right. it right. You yes. were right. You had it right. It was a knife. There, there were a couple different stories that you guys were telling, but whatever it was, Casey had I remember it. And, this. And you guys were fighting with each other. And and, and uh, I think you said, this is our first on-air domestic or whatever it was. And it, it was. was. It was really good. I remember this moment because I, I had watched her talk so many times and taken like detailed notes. So like when she was telling the story about the guy having a, a gun, I'm like, it was a knife, Liat. And she was like, no, Casey. And we like got in this little tiff and it was this funny moment where it was like, oh, it's our first on air argument because we were not going to edit it because it was just keeping it real and relatable. But yep, that's exactly, you're right. It was our first on air and we've had many since then. So, <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate that, uh, that you guys did that. And then um, when, when Liat said, you know, I'm becoming a hostage negotiator, I said, oh, for sure. This is someone that I need to hang out with, that you are giving up your life's work <laughs> to become a hostage negotiator. I said, that's someone that I want to hang out with. I, I, my students actually were kind of freaking out when they, like, I guess I didn't say just kidding or something, which most of my <laughs> jokes are not, most of my 
jokes are not followed by just kidding. You know, like I work in sarcasm. And so they're like, really? What's, and I was like, okay, never mind. Sorry, I forgot to say I was kidding. I'm not leaving anything. It's not something I actually would love to be involved at some point in something just because I think it's so cool. I think you have the skills more than anyone I know to be in like a hostage negotiator. I feel you like do? you could That's do That's so yeah. sweet. But Scott, what do you think? I think it means more coming from you. I think you're in. I, I, I don't even think you need to try it. Let's just see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? This can you just like call me up? Right. She's going to she's gonna negotiate this. And if it goes bad, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. This sounds <laughs> promising. People die. It's fine. No big deal. Never mind. That's but scary. Yeah. So Scott has not only been, you know, from that day, connected us with some of the coolest um, podcast guests like Susan. I can't say her last name. Is it Ibiza? Susan Ibitz. Ibitz. Zabine. Zabine, Harry, Harry, Harry Drucker. Drucker. Yeah. Chase so Hughes. Yeah. So what all I was doing was trying to avoid you two. I, I was giving I you all my all the best names of the most interesting people that I know. And I just kept, you're like, hey, let's do a podcast together. I was like, hey, have you met this person right here and gave you somebody else? And Such avoidance so, behavior, Scott. I just have to I know. You, you I weren't going to get away from us that easy. But here we are. I am, I'm glad that 50 episodes later, you guys are still going strong, better than ever. I yeah. love your podcast. Can we talk about your podcast for a while? Can we just talk about Yeah. This? We have oh, never yeah, really I... talked about our podcast. This is kind of fun. So so when when is merchandise coming out? Like like t-shirts. I would love to be wearing Behavior Bitches Podcast t-shirt. Like, why isn't this a section on your webpage yet? Or am yeah, I missing it? Well, Put first of all, down. our website. Okay, we need to fix the behavior. I know this has been going on since episode one. But like, we actually don't know how to access editing options on behavior bitches because this is what happens when you pay someone like in India to make a site and they do it in a different language and we don't know what's going on with it. So we actually need to get it fixed, but we do need merch. I do think we need some love. You mean it. Some, uh, no, I will say that we do on study notes, ABA, which is like our, I'll send you some stickers, Scott. I, we have stickers. I could send you that for now. Here, look, I'll show you. Oh, it's on my computer. I can't show you. It'd have to be, that would be like a, magician to be able to show you the back of my computer but um we have love you mean it and be your bitches stickers made but i really think and so there's this thing at target it's a coffee mug that says love you mean it and everyone sends it to us and we're like yeah we know we both own it we love it but i think if we made one behavior bitches style it would be so much cooler and a t-shirt or something that i merch you you have to have listeners out there right now that know somebody that can put together mm-hmm. a nice fleece, t-shirts, hooded sweatshirts. I, 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 buy oh, it all. I know how to do that. I actually, you know what? This is a call to action from anyone listening for merch ideas that you think need to be that we need to create. I have a few ideas. I feel like we have a spreadsheet somewhere uh, of the ideas, mm-hmm. but if anyone thinks of the idea and if we use your idea, I will send you an entire behavior bitches care package with whatever merch it is so please send us your ideas um, to the behavior ladies at gmail.com <laughs> but you know what's funny is that like we're now on episode 75 which is a three quarters of the way to a hundred if anyone out there needed me to do that math for them and it's it's something i don't think we sit back enough and talk about that like 
We actually have followed through every Monday to get an episode out. We have found and sought out the most amazing guests. Today alone, Liat, what, we scheduled like six more podcasts out with like really cool ass people in the field and not even just in our field, but in, in other fields and just like opened up this podcast to not just be. Um, oh my God, Scott, today we spoke to this guy. He's a cult. He, he's a cult expert and he has been on a hit list by some of these cults for him. D what's the word Casey deprogramming. Yeah. Getting people out of cults. He was on Dr. Phil. Same with Chase Hughes. Chase Hughes literally just messaged me and the, the relationships we formed. So he messaged me on Instagram after and was like, I was just on Dr. Phil and I'm going to be on his podcast. And like, just so excited. And I'm just like, made it like we made it like thank you like it's so exciting we assume and we made it if someone else made it you know yeah. like it's not <laughs> us on there but as long as they made it whatever it's so fun though well i think that's one of the reasons that you guys are becoming so successful and you're growing and you're getting so many listeners and subscribers that you're you're you, you started off with you know the, the aba and you mm -hmm. know like, like the autism world but i i think from what i can tell um the, the listeners, all your listeners kind of have three things in, in common. Number one, like everybody's in like a helping profession, mm -hmm. you, wh whether it be mental health or, or psychology or, or wherever it is. And probably by now, you know, you're, you're well beyond that, but everybody's in a helping profession. And number two, everybody wants to get better. Your guests are all experts and professionals and wherever they, they fit to, to make this big, huge puzzle. So we're listening because we want to get better and it's, it's a great resource. And number three, um, they, they're obviously very cool people like me and like everybody else who's listening, because why wouldn't we hang out with you guys if we weren't cool people? So I think that's the three things that I can tell about all of your listeners and you guys continue to grow. And here's a new person and, and just growing this puzzle. And now I'm sure that you're finding people in, in sales and influence and everywhere else. And, and I'm, I'm really happy for you guys and, and your success and the growth of the podcast. We're Thank so in love. So much. I, I know I am much harder to get excited. I think you are so great. Don't, I mean, you're preparing very well. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So negotiation in general is really cool, I think. Sorry, that I got made it sound like I was going to say something much crazier than that. But really cool in what you're doing, dealing with situations that are – you're getting someone to do something they don't want to do at all. Right. I think that negotiation is the single most important skill that people need to have, especially right now. And I've been teaching hostage and crisis negotiation since I think 2011 was when I started teaching it for the first time. And then 2016 was uh, when I gave that TED talk and it started to branch out beyond police crisis and hostage negotiation. And uh, when I was invited to give the TED talk, it, we were the week before the U.S. presidential election. And the, the TED conference or the TEDx conference um, uh, advisors, the people who invited me and found me, they said, hey, we, our idea is for you to share your concept, your teaching of hostage negotiation and just kind of make it more general and broad so people know how to have a conversation with each other because the, um, the, the context, pe people, it's just a very, um, a very tough time that nobody can really get along very well. And that was before the 2016 presidential election which is like little leagues compared to what we have going on right now in 2020 mm -hmm. after the latest presidential election. So I think that's really when I turned the corner of, 
hey, maybe this is applicable beyond just hostage negotiation or crisis negotiation. And when I shared that TED Talk and my, my four principles of understanding, timing, delivery, and respect, I had people from all over the country and around the world saying, hey, I'm trying this model and I'm using this in leadership. I'm using this in sales. Um, I'm using it in, in our church group, you know, all kinds of applications well beyond anything that I had ever really thought of when I was putting this together and saying, hey, it, it makes sense. It allows us to connect with each other. So I, I think at the end, I really just want people to be decent with, with each other. And if, if we can use this kind of as, as a model or a way to, to help people do that, then it's a win. Then, then we're making our society a little bit of a better place. And I starred this in the outline from episode 25 is that it's not just hostage negotiation principles. These are principles of basic human relationships, leadership, and greatness. That definitely could not have come out of my mouth. So it had to come out of your mouth. <laughs> it just came out of your mouth. And it sounds amazing. If I could have included <laughs> that line in my TED talk, I wouldn't have changed a word. I thought okay. it was beautifully delivered. So like what you're just saying, it's not just about, um, it's being a basic good human to each other. And how do we do that? And, and, you know, even in business alone, we just did an episode with um, Pete Havel from, he wrote the arsonist in the office and like, it's really hard for people to face um, crisis or face issues or face problems, right? It's so aversive. And like, even a smart person, why do we avoid problem behaviors? Like, because it's just not comfortable. We don't, we don't. So how do we do this in a way to my, your first one, your Four important, the one that we broke down, we broke down all four, but seek first to understand. So this is like our pairing, right? So we're right. in in this moment, you're, you know, and I want you to take your hostage negotiator side. Our side is getting to know what the person likes, you know, giving them everything that they could want at that moment, because guess what? I want them to know that their behavior does have power and that I'm not there to strip them of those rights, um, whether it be someone with autism or, you know, working in a business, but um, what are you in that stage? What are you doing? Right. So I think that part of this is the preparation. And I guess mm -hmm. in a negotiation, your, your preparation is really key, but understanding it, it happens before the negotiation or before the difficult conversation. And then during the, the difficult conversation and in hostage negotiation, I think Harry Drucker touched on the eight skills of active listening. And this isn't some big secret. You can Google those skills. Uh, and and it's, it's becoming more commonplace. There's a couple of books out there uh, about this now, but we're, we're bad listeners. We, we really, really have trouble as a society um, suspending judgment of others to say it's, it's difficult for me to hear somebody else say something without wanting to jump in and not me personally, like all of us want mm -hmm. to jump in and say, well, you're wrong or here's why I'm right. Or did you think about this? And even in, in the course of like the election we had right now, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, who did you vote for in the, you know, for president? We're, we're almost pre-defensive about that because we know that if we don't give the right answer to this person, they're just going to destroy us and, and they're going to hate us and then cancel culture and, and it, it's going to be a really bad thing. So in, in seeking to understand, let's be good listeners. Let's ask good questions. Let's um, get in touch with the emotions. And um, we can't do that if we don't suspend our judgment and if we don't acknowledge that we probably have some prejudice that we need to get rid of. And that could be racial. It could be gender. It could be age. You're, you're telling me that young people haven't been discriminated against because they don't 
um, they, they don't have enough experience or knowledge in the world or women, you know, we, we can't deal with you. We, we all experience this and it's a terrible, terrible thing to be on, on the receiving end of prejudice. And I think that this really prevents us from connecting with someone deeply. Um, it prevents us from not, uh, we, we might miss a, a really good opportunity. If we say, hey, I know about this person. I, I know what they're like because they're part of this tribe or this demographic or whatever it might be. Let's really have that open mind. And this is what's going to allow us to have that connection. But understanding um, it needs to be more than just listening because look at the polls who showed Hillary Clinton, 99% sure she's won the election. Here is, uh, I, however, this fits into your behavioral principles. People lie. People mm -hmm. lie all the time for whatever reason it might be. So I think understanding needs to go beyond that. What research can we do on you? Um, what, what else can we learn? I'm, I'm a huge fan of studying body language and micro expressions and gestures. And that's why I, I like to study people like Chase Hughes and, and the, the um, body language panel that he's part of to say, how else can I get information? Because in negotiation, um, information is power. Options are power. So I need to understand all the way throughout this negotiation as much as I can, because that's what's going to make me powerful when it comes to my strategy piece and, and as I move throughout the negotiation or the, or the conversation. So you do a lot of talks, right? And trainings for, you're doing them for mainly what? My, my passion is for police and, and yeah. I will um, train police at cost. I, I don't, mm -hmm charges speaking fee for police, because I, I think it's, this is life saving information and skills. And if I can get that out to officers who need it, I love to do that. Mm -hmm. But I've been picked up by um, two different uh, private companies that do consulting and training in negotiations because they find that people in sales and in influence and in leadership all need to know exactly this. And that this is, is powerful to them and it brings a lot of value. And now I've been picked up by a uh, professional speakers bureau and, and they book me for um, private sector events uh, and, and a variety of private sector events. And, and I, I've spoken in front of groups that I know nothing about. I've, I've done keynotes where I've opened up to say, I, I think it was like a, a medical group, like a healthcare conference. And my opening line was, I have no idea what you do. I, I'm, I'm not sure why you chose me to be your keynote because I mean, never in the history of keynotes does somebody open up by saying, I have <laughs> nothing in common with what you do. In fact, I don't even know what you do. Uh, <laughs> Very but, honest of you, Scott. <laughs> right. But I, I try to bring value of the human connection and how we can um, connect with others and, and help them get to where we want them to go. And not in a manipulative sort of way, but we've lost our ability to connect with each other and, and influence each other because our, our primary way as a society is to jump on our social media and hashtag this and hashtag that. And we think that we're making a difference. We're not you know what, connect with somebody and find a way, how can I influence them? And I think one of the best ways is listening to people. Help me learn about you. I yeah. wanna be more interested in you and be less interested in myself because how, how often you connect with somebody and here's everything about me and here's my sales pitch about my company, it's, it's almost offensive. No, yeah. Nobody wants to learn about you. They want to share themselves because they feel that they're most important. And it's really, it's really easy to kind of play into that ego a little bit and, and start that, start that conversation. And also like knowing when to deliver that message, when is it important to 
step up and be like, okay, now that we've had this, you know, opportunity to get to know each other and understand where I come from, where you come from. I need you to put the gun down. I need you to put the gun down. I understand. (laughs) I need you to put the gun down. All right. So, so the the time that's, that's your strategy piece. And this is, I think such an important thing. And people say that, you know, it's, it's all about your, your tactics at the table, being the smooth talker and whatever else. And that's such a small percentage of a negotiation, I believe, because truly at the end of the day, if I can get a better deal from somebody else on a better product, I don't care that you're really nice to me. I'm going somewhere else. So you need to have a strategy in place. And, um, and, and I think, and, and maybe I can share something to, you know, a, a story and, um, it's Please. not from my it's it's not from my work. This will be a hypothetical story, um, and it could be completely made up. It's about a detective. He's um, a tall, good-looking detective who's trained in negotiation, so it could be anyone. Um, so he was trying to arrest um, somebody for uh, a theft case, and this uh, the suspect had moved out of state. And generally, even if you can get a warrant in the state where that detective works. It's, it's only going to be serviceable in that state. So the, the suspect had moved out of state. So when it came time to arrest this person, there was really no way to do it um, because the person was a thousand miles away. Uh, a warrant isn't really going to do a whole lot of good. So how are you going to arrest him? You know, how, how are you going to do that? And that's a negotiation, just like everything we do in, in life. It's a negotiation. So the strategy piece is what... And, and I'll ask the two of you, um, what motivates men? Sex. Sex. So uh, five minutes ago, <laughs> I said, let's, let's not be prejudiced. Let's not judge people. Um, but Malcolm, uh, uh, what, what's that book? Um, Gladwell? Yeah. What's, I, I forget the name of the, the book. Blink. Uh, Blink. Blink. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Uh, and Blink, he talks about thin slicing and that, you know, we, we do this and, and, and oftentimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So you both without hesitation said sex. So my, um, or we're my, such assholes. The, the, um, <laughs> the detective, um, in, in the investigation had learned, um, that this person who had stolen some stuff, put the money into a joint, um, bank account with him and his wife. And, um, in the course of the suspect's business, he had traveled out of state and it included some time with a coworker in a hotel room out of state. And this came out in a lot of good investigations in seeking to understand the situation. So when it came time to have a discussion with the suspect, the detective told the suspect, you know what, of course you have the right not to talk to me. You have the right to a lawyer. You don't have to come in here and I really can't get a warrant to come and get you. I do have a question about, um, or the detective had a question about this money, where this money went and it was into this joint checking account. And um, we're going to ask questions of whoever holds rights to this checking account, which is the suspect and his wife. And I've learned that in the course of these actions of stealing some money, maybe the suspect had traveled to a certain place with a young lady and shared a room. And you don't have to um, answer these questions, but these questions are going to be asked to both the suspect or whoever else holds this checking account, which is your wife, mm-hmm. um, or, or we can conclude this investigation as, as soon as you stop in and we have a face-to-face chat and then nobody else needs to be asked any questions anywhere. How fast do you think that guy was in the detective's office? I would have been there in seven seconds. Flew across the country <laughs> the next day and that case was over. So mm-hmm. think about your timing. When are you delivering the message? 
if, yeah. if that conversation was at the beginning, you don't have a strategy, you don't have the information that you need. So think about when, when do you need to be impactful and what do you need to get there first? You know, what, what are you putting in order? So I, I think that your, your strategy piece is so important in negotiations. You just have to have it. And like for us, like working as behavior analysts, like you were always manipulating the MO, ma- manipulating the, you know, motivating operation of like, when is it going to be more valuable for this client or whoever to engage in this behavior, right? Like, I'm not going to ask them right after lunch to engage in all these behaviors if they just, in my, in my reinforcement I'm offering them is like, hey, you want to work for some Skittles? Like, like, dude, I just ate. Like, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine, right? So you always want to like be thinking of these things of when you deliver that demand or that prompt or SD, whatever it may be, that you're, you're doing it when they're more likely to respond, right? So it's like a kind of a storm of this like negotiation manipulation, but like doing it in a way that like, and same for, I'm not going to ask my husband to do the laundry right after he just emptied the dishwasher. I'm going to wait for maybe the next day and be like, Hey babe, like wait till he was a little bit of a dick to you. And then he would have some power. Like he was like, like, he's been like, a little bit of a for hours. And I'm like, yeah. And okay, it's like, you could probably do this now. Right. But like, if he just did like cook, chop the bacon yeah. for our dinner and did the dishwasher, I'm not going to then pile on another demand right then. Like, absolutely not. That's the difference between me and you. Um, I'm like, Ellie run, go for it. You have really great behavior momentum. I'm sure you did that. And I, that's so sexy. I bet you can't do all the dishes too. Yeah, now, okay. This is, you know, I also, aside from a hostage negotiator and BCBA, I also think I'm like a dateline. If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably try to be like a host for dateline. And I watch a lot. Do you watch dateline ever? I do. Okay. So. Is this one where, where they invite all these guys in to have sex with a, a nine-year-old and, and they keep showing up? Oh, you know, no, that's, 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 um, no, that is, um, I have no idea. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then they're like, Hey, what are you doing here? Right. Oh, the and then they catch about? pedophiles, right? To catch a predator. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Dateline where it's always like kind of the same storyline of what, how did this wife get murdered? And, you know. It's usually like a love triangle and whatever it is. And then they bring them in with the detectives and they might have information on something, but they have to be really careful about what order they're going to. uh, I don't know about like give information necessarily or, or I guess like, I mean, you work within this, um, area like are are you very careful in the way that you would request information from someone or try get them to admit that they're guilty well in in those situations we're we're not trying to get them to admit that they're guilty we we're just trying to find the truth and generally the person that we're talking with um is going to be the person who who is a suspect um so so we're working toward the truth and I think one of the big misconceptions is, you know, you have to be threatening and hard and it's, it's really the complete opposite because when we get scared, we get defensive, we get closed off and we're not going to share information. And, and really that's, that's what a detective would need in that case is maybe a confession to go along with witnesses and evidence and whatever else they have to put it together. But if people aren't comfortable, they're not going to open up to you. 
And a lot of these interviews now are being recorded by, by law, they're being recorded. So, so you want to be, you know, above board on your techniques and you want to be polite and professional. And usually that's what's going to get the job done by creating this bond. And, and I see that through the understanding, timing, delivery, respect model, we put this all together and it creates a bond with that person. And once you are comfortable, then, then you're really open up. And, and I would suppose that on, on this podcast with the two of you have following your work for as long as I have. I'll probably be much more open and, and willing to to share stories and share thoughts than I would be with with the random podcast invitation that I'm going to get tomorrow from, you know, whoever it might be. Whoever's going to listen to us and then ask you. That's right. That's, That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> what I love about that in a, in I think you had said that um only 7% of communication is actually in the words we use. The rest is in communication of our delivery tone and body language and to relate this back to behavior analysis and what's going on in our field is there's a really large movement for um, the um, practical functional assessment with Greg Hanley. And what he talks about with going into doing these functional assessments is where what we do is we actually kind of trigger the problem behavior. We want to like set up these conditions to see how can we turn the behavior on and off. And in the past, it seemed very unnatural and just like, Jesus, like, please don't do that to my kid. Like, uh, I just want to keep him happy or please don't do that in my school. And he's done this thing called, um, he wants, you know, HRE, happy, relaxed, and engaged, right? So he talks about, we want that kid, so I'm thinking this is a negotiator, you want that person to be, try to get them as happy, relaxed, and engaged as you can, and that has a lot to do with your body language. So you're not going to come right into a kid and stand over their desk and deliver a demand. Like, you're going to crouch down, maybe you're going to get on the floor, right? And anything that you do do, so you're setting up this body language of like, I'm not, you know, you're safe, and I'm on your level, Um, and also anything that you do would be you could do it open door policy. Anyone could watch you do it. Like you just said with these interviews, right? Like there's no hiding anything that we're doing. It's all ethical. It's all okay. We're just trying to get to figure out the function and form a hypothesis of why this behavior is occurring. And I think that's what you were just saying. Yeah. And and I like that. And the, and the study with the percentages that that's a a really old study. And, um, and I think it was for a specific situation. And uh, you know, my, my thoughts on that, Beyond the percentage, which I, I don't think are probably accurate anymore, um, the, the point is people practice what they're going to say. If, if people practice at all, they practice their content, but rarely does anybody practice their delivery and how they're going to say it. And when I coach people on this, we, we kind of go down five different aspects of, of the delivery, the, the rate, the rhythm, the pressure, the volume, the tone. And in each one of these five things, you can create a completely different experience for somebody else. If you're talking too fast, you're perceived as insincere and not trustworthy because, hey, slow down and allow me some time to think that through. But if you're too slow, then I'm frustrated because, hey, what's wrong with you? Why aren't we moving? The the rhythm, th- this is delivering everything in a cadence, getting people comfortable. And once you get them comfortable, then we're getting open up the rate, the rhythm, the pressure. I, my, my kids know how much trouble they're in just by the pressure behind their name when I'm calling them downstairs because they don't need to know anything more because they hear. And when we hear pressured speech from people, we know that the stress is on. So what did I just do? What did I just say that created pressure in them? Mm-hmm. And then if I'm doing the negotiation, I have a coach that's making sure that I'm not too pressured behind my words that I'm, I'm toning that down, right? Rhythm, pressure, the volume. People have this really backwards. They they want to be heard. People get loud. People get loud. Hey, listen to me. I'm getting loud. And it's really just the opposite. You need to get much more quiet. And that's going to trick the brain because I'm, I have to physically work so much harder to hear you when you're quiet. 
now my brain thinks, hey, this must be really important because I'm working really hard and I'm very focused on you. So if I, if I want to deliver something really, really important, let's get a little bit more quiet. And by getting quiet, I don't mean being weak or passive. You can be very, very strong if, if you're a little bit more quiet. And then, um, and then the tone, that, that's just, you, you know when someone is really giving you attitude in the tone. We could all have the same paragraph to, to free the hostages, but the way everybody reads it has a certain tone, inflections, pauses that kind of mess with it a little bit. So when I coach on, on the delivery, these are the five areas that I work through to say, hey, these are all important things that we can adjust. And I, I think I gave an example in, in the, the TED talk. I remember Leah talking about it in the last episode. So I don't want to hit on that again. What did but, I say? Um, the, the why are you here? Or why are you here? Um, why oh, are you here? Oh, yeah. Right. yeah no, yeah. touch on it. People don't remember 25 ep- 50 episodes ago. Come on. Not <laughs> everyone listens to every episode like you. <laughs> well, I'm, surprising. I'm a, I know. I'm, surprising. I'm a, I know. I'm a BBP groupie. I'm a groupie. I just assume everybody listens to your episode. Every episode. No, probably over and over. <laughs> I just want to say, like, being, like, you're part of this, like, community the tribe that we've created here and you're you know not our typical constituent Mm -hmm. and that's just being very honest but like even when I so during when COVID hit I started this morning meetup um randomly just like you know anyone I put out come we're just gonna meet at you know 9 a.m Monday through Friday we're gonna do some kind of self-care some motivation some exercise together and it, it it grew like in a cute way of like we're still that those behavior bitches that I meet with, we still have happy hours together now. There's 10 of us strong. We help each other. But Scott would pop in so graciously and just be like, what are you guys doing? And he'd be in his like uh, police suit in his office and just like, just added such like a, a level where everyone's like, oh my God, this is so cool. And, you know, uh, one of the ladies who listens and was part of it was like, I just find it so amazing the different people that you guys reach right? Like it's not just this same thing over and over and how beautiful that someone that you talked about on the podcast would want to come back and be like, Hey, what's going on? Like, why, why did you find that helpful? I, well, I, let me, let me back you all the way up. I, I don't think I'm that different from anybody else. I, I I'm just the same people that listen are, are in the helping profession. They want to help others. They're caring for others. They're and they're therapists. cool. And, and they're cool. Right. And, and, and we're all trying to be better. And mm-hmm. so, so maybe your, your listeners aren't going to be going out and negotiating for hostages, mm-hmm. uh, but they're going to be having difficult conversations in, in their work um, with their peers at work, with their clients at work, with their families. And if I can share something that improves their life just a little bit, how awesome. Hey, I listened to behavior bitches podcast today and mm-hmm. what I learned, I'm going to apply right now. And because of it, my life is better and I'm positively impacting people around me. And that's what you two are doing right now. And I love it. Like if I, if I was a, someone holding someone hostage right now, you are so good at pairing and so complimentary and lifting people up that I'd be like, okay, I'll put the gun down. (laughs) Not a problem. so here's what I learned when, when I wanted to learn more about business negotiation, I did some executive education at Harvard University and um, I didn't know what to think. You know, I, I didn't know if I should come in there and be confident that, hey, I, I know negotiation on a high level. Um, 
I, I just didn't know how to prepare. And then when I got there, I was like, holy cow, like I was so intimidated. I was like, I'm the dumbest person in the room. Like I am looking around and there are super successful people that are doing really good things. And I remember we did an exercise um, where we had to do uh, like, like price negotiations on, on something. And, and I just got smoked. Like I got worked. I, I came out terribly. And what it was, was um, we had a list of things um, that we wanted to get from somebody else. And it was marked with like the value we put upon them. So I want this thing that you have, and you got five different things. And there's this number one thing that you have that I really, really want. And I have to negotiate for it. So I come in and I make an offer, like a really, really good offer for your number one thing. And then it's revealed to me that this number one thing that you have, you have, you place no value on it at all. Like it's your garbage. And I just offered you everything I got. I offered you the whole bank so I could get this number, number one thing. And it makes perfect sense, but it didn't hit me until I was the idiot in there who didn't understand how business negotiation really worked. And what I learned in that is we have to trade things of unequal value and that there are things that you might want or you might need or could improve you that it really doesn't cost me a whole lot of time or effort to do this. And I'm like, man, I really, really like this in the context of negotiation, but how can we use this in our everyday lives? And I listen to your podcast. I like what you're doing. It's fun. You, you mix in education with, um, with entertainment, which is what adults need to learn. So we need to keep our focus. So we're, we're being entertained. We're learning. It's perfect. I really like this a lot. So how can I bring value to your podcast. And for me, it, it doesn't cost me anything, no, no time, no, no money to say, hey, I think you might really be interested in this person who reads faces. Or I, I think one of your behavior bitch people of another universe, <laughs> Dr. Zabine, you need to meet her because she's she was wicked. You know? Powerful. Oh my God. <clears throat> right. That episode left me in goosebumps the whole time. So, yeah. so let, you want to talk to hostage negotiators. How about Harry Drucker? There isn't a hostage negotiator in the United States that's been to a conference and not seen his stuff. So, mm -hmm. Hey, so good negotiators can trade these things. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't cost me a lot, but it could be very valuable to you. And what a great lesson for me in, in the context of a classroom, thankfully, to, to learn my lesson that, hey, where are things in my life that it doesn't cost me a whole lot to share this with, with somebody else that might bring them a ton of value? So mm -hmm. it's not even within a negotiation. It's just being a, a decent person. And then you can develop great relationships out of it and, and feel good that, hey, I'm helping people get to where they want to go. And what you just said, the, I think is really interesting just about negotiation in general. Um, I appreciate all the kind words towards us. But you, you were have saying a, you have really not kind of speechless. She's like, so like being, I'm not speechless. Like, Chill out. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I got a lot to say. Um, I, I've, I think a big thing, what you just said in general and about negotiation in general, because I've done this, I have someone coming to do something, come work for me, whatever it is. And it's so important for me to have this one thing. Right. And so then you might outbid yourself. You might, you know, this person, it wasn't a big deal for them to come on, right? Or do whatever it is. And so I think I've just what you just said to me, like I really resonated because I think sometimes we negotiate with ourselves before actually figuring out that, that step one or that principle one of, well, let me try to understand this person, right? Because 
for like you said someone might be selling something in a garage sale that meant nothing to them right like if like they're just trying to have an estate sale and get rid of everything in their grandma's house but for you you're a collector of an old record table so to you it means so much but that person's like just get it the hell out and sometimes yeah. i think we could actually screw ourselves over by negotiating with ourselves first like i don't want to lowball this person because this is gonna this is not gonna go well and then because we we're seeking to understand based on our own value of something, you actually could screw yourself. Yeah, and I, I think that this goes to <clears throat> maybe fairness. And I, the last principle, and I get, maybe this is a good segue into the last principle of respect, that yeah. you lowball yourself, or you lowball, you, you screw yourself out of it. Um, when, when I talk about respect, it's not really about being respectful, being yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, yes, that's part of it. Um, but respect is about emotions and respecting people's emotions. And, and we have to see beyond ourselves to be a good negotiator, to be a good connector of people. And part the, the, the two big emotions for me in respect are autonomy and fairness, that we need to allow people to have the freedom to choose their own life to make their own decisions. So I, I don't ever want to say, hey, you should do this. I mean, that's me telling you what you should. That's me putting my values on this. It's, it, it might be better to say, would you consider this? Or maybe you could consider this. Here's a couple options. So that's going to go to your autonomy. And Leah, you talked about, you know, this fairness. Uh, if, if I lowball what, what somebody's asking in price, they, they could really be offended because this is what I believe the value is. And now you could lose your opportunity to do business with them in the first place to say, my speaking fee is this, this much money. And you come in and say, well, we're only going to offer you, you know, a, a small amount of that. That could be very offensive to say, Hey, I don't think that's fair because I need to take time off of work. I need to travel across the country. I need to prepare and put this time in. So when we talk about respect, I think that autonomy and fairness have to be the two biggest considerations that we really put forward in our conversations with others. And I think that's also key when working with individuals with autism or any job that you're in, no matter what, it doesn't just have to be a negotiation. Offering these two things to get respect, right? Your A, your behavior matters. You, we value the fact that you should make your own choice and we're going to be fair in doing so is yeah. just improving society in general like this is just things that like we should all be doing no matter what right and and by suspending judgment it's it's okay for people to say hey this is this is what i believe in and this is why and and i can be interested in that and at the end of it i don't need to tell them what i think or what i believe i can just say you know what that's terrific thank you for being so open or thank you for sharing uh, such information, personal information about yourself, you know, and I, I look forward to having this conversation again. And chances are, even though I may not have contributed to that conversation in any way, that person is going to walk away and say, hey, I really like that guy. That was great. They just talked about themselves the, the whole time. But that was really enjoyable for them because people are, are kind of egocentric and they, they love talking about themselves. So then it puts you in a great position for the next time. Then you're thinking about your timing for, for the next conversation or, or the next negotiation. So, okay, before we wrap up, just because I love any of these stories, can you give us any exciting negotiation story that you have been involved with? Because I just love these stories and I feel like if I could have 
a bedtime story to listen to, I'd love to listen to these as opposed well, to any fairy tale. I mean, I usually listen to like Dateline and Murder. I listen to like Murder and stuff to fall asleep. My husband thinks I'm like literally plotting his murder every day. <laughs> tell, tell your husband to give me a call. I'll help him out. I'll help him out. I know how you think. No, I... I, I share a couple a couple big ones in my TED talk, and um, when when you negotiate with a person who ultimately shoots themselves in the head, that's a, a pretty impactful moment, uh, you know, in, in my life, and, and for just about anybody. And unfortunately, in negotiations, in in police negotiations, that's not entirely uncommon because most of our negotiations are crisis negotiations; they're not hostage negotiations. That's not commonplace in the U.S. Um, so, you know, I, I think back to that. Um, Scott, tell me if I'm right, because I'm just I'm just going to go off what I watch. This is the guy in the basement. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, that was it. He, he was. Uh, and you asked gentleman. him a question and you answered it wrong because you weren't listening to what he kind of needed at that moment. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get him to, to go to that hospital and, and people see police and they think, hey, they're going to jail. I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm and I was trying to avoid that. Yeah. And so, so he didn't, he didn't want to go to the hospital and, and we talked to this guy forever and this was fairly early in my negotiation um, career. And, and it was just something that, that stuck with me to say, you know, how could we have done this better? How could we have done it differently? And I think for all the, the people who do negotiations, if it's price negotiations or sales that they don't have such big consequences like this. Yeah. And if, if they change their mindset to say, you know, every conversation has this big consequence every prospect every sale has this big consequence maybe they'll put in more effort maybe they'll be more focused maybe that cold cold call will be uh, a little bit more engaging you know i i wanted I, I got a cold call the other day from somebody selling something when i was at work and i couldn't believe how bad this guy was like he didn't care about anything like it was the worst I almost wanted to call him back and be like can can we have a coaching session here um I don't know if you're having a bad day or you don't care about your job or your boss has a day off but let's talk about this and I almost wanted to go back and coach him but you know I was at work so I was focused on what I was doing um but we, we see this a lot you know people just they they don't we, we can all be better at at what we're doing mm -hmm. we, we can all we can all be better and if we think about how big are the consequences um, we, we make a bit, a better effort, even with my kids, you know, I, I don't, I, I find sometimes I yell at my kids and I, I know I shouldn't do that. That's really, really bad. That's unhealthy. If every interaction with them, I viewed as, Hey, this is an important moment in their life. This is something that they're going to remember forever. This is big in their development and formulation. I would spend a lot more time and effort in that conversation or in that moment. And, and we all need to improve upon that. Me included. Yeah, no, I am. I'm homeschooling and Liat's witnessed this multiple times. I'm homeschooling my 10 year old nephew two days a week to help my sister. And I've, I've, I'm not a parent. So like, I really thought I was going to be this cool aunt who just like, you know, he was going to work so well. I've got his token economy back here on this whiteboard. He's going to be like the best. I'm a BCBA. Like he's going to listen to me. And that's not the fucking case. And I <laughs> find myself being like, get the fuck on your computer. Like literally like I, I lose it. And I'm like, oh my God, Casey, you just a swore. B, like you, you spoke at a very mean volume. Like this is after like 10 times of like being trying, like, come on, bud, you can do it. Get on your Zoom. You're great. Right. And he's like totally defying me and just being like calling me like a fat M or MF or like just like the worst <laughs> fucking behavior in the world. And I'm like, but I can't meet that behavior with that behavior. And I've had to tell myself that. And I have to like walk away and just 
separate each other because I, and I'm, I can't imagine being a parent, like, and having to deal with everything they're going through right now. And I'm just like, holy shit. But again, if I thought, and I, I do think of this, like, you know, he's had a really, a really hard life upbringing and I want to be the person in his life who is positive and he's motivated by and those interactions that I'm having with him because I'm so stressed in the moment are not, if I think of it more, like you just said, like each one of those are going to have a potential, you know, consequence. I need to like focus that and like stop being so reactive because it is so easy. And I think Casey, if you want me to supervise, I'll coach you through on the other side of the phone. <laughs> Thank you. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. And can I, can I maybe go on what, what you just touched on a little bit of mm-hmm. the, the empathy piece that, that yeah. we, we forget this in society that um, all of us, every one of us is experiencing pain yeah. and loss and, and grief. And that's, that's w- one of our biggest driving motivators in behavior. And if we all took a moment to say, hey, the person I'm going to be talking with now is in pain. So, somewhere in their life, they're experiencing pain. And um, I, I think that would allow us to be a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more patient, a little bit more yeah. empathetic to say, you're going to talk to somebody today who is having thoughts of suicide or has had thoughts of suicide. It's mm-hmm. not about you. And when yeah. I teach negotiations, it comes down to it's not about you. You need to control yourself and and learn about them, learn about their situation. I think that we could all be just as a society, so much better if we realized every one of us is stressed right now. There's so many reasons to be stressed out. We're all going through stress and pain and fear and mm-hmm. grief. And if we realize that and acknowledge that everybody has this in their life right now, we would be much more decent people with each other. I could not imagine a better way to end this podcast. I have goosebumps. And, you know, in case he gets goosebumps, like something really good has happened because I'm excited for my nephew to come here tomorrow and realize it's I not literally was about to say, Casey, <laughs> when we're on Zoom tomorrow, I'm going to be watching you, Biatch. I know. When he's behind you, like, okay, nice. get on in your PE class. Time for PE. <laughs> Scott, you are such a blessing and such a light and just one of the coolest persons, people I've ever met. Um, I'm so happy our paths aligned and I'm so happy that Liat, her crazy ideas found this goddamn Ted talk that like has led us to all of this, including this relationship. And this is the icing on the cake to have you on. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me on. And usually this is where your guests kind of plug their book or their website or something like that. Um, but I'm, I'm a pretty normal, regular guy. I don't have any of those things. So I, I don't have a book. You can find him for... on LinkedIn. You can find him on LinkedIn. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that, right? Right. So for you to buy. Um, no, no book, no website for you to go check out. But I will say this. Um, if your listeners are interested in negotiation, like if this is an area that they really want to have, have a little bit more of a personal conversation about, mm-hmm. I, I want to offer that, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I will offer your listeners um, a 30-minute conversation with me um, about negotiation if, only if, they can prove and they can show me that they just went to the Behavior Bitches Podcast Patreon account and made a contribution to you guys. And whether it's a couple bucks or $5 or $7, they go on right now and make a contribution to this podcast to help keep you guys in business so I can hear guests number 76, 77, and 177, and 300. I want you guys to keep educating me and entertaining me. So selfishly, <laughs> I want your listeners to go on. And if they can show me, they just contributed to your Patreon account. 
I would be willing to spend 30 minutes with them. We'll have a one-on-one chat on Zoom. We'll talk about negotiation or, or whatever they'd like to chat about. And I, I'll make myself available to your listeners because I already know they're going to be a very cool person. Oh my God, I'm going, I'm going to sign up for Patreon. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Scott, I talk like, to me? Well, we're both, I, no one can see the video that we have going on, but both Leah and I have like our heart hands making a heart going like beep, 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 beep. Like that is the sweetest thing anyone that thinks ever done on this podcast. So thank you for not only being our, you know, claim to fame, but also being one of the sweetest guests and offering such an amazing thing to our listeners. Cause I know that they're going to take it up, take you up on it. Cause you are so special and so um, important. And I know a lot of people in this field want to get into other things that aren't just autism. So having you for 30 minutes would be like mind blowing. So thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me on today. I had such a good time. Thank you. Guys, you know where to find us. You could find us on behaviorbitches.com. Website still being worked on, but it works. And the contact form does work. Um, you could find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast. Facebook, Behavior Bitches Podcast. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash behaviorbitches. And... You guys now could get some time with Scott, which is like the best thing we've ever offered on our Patreon. So this is amazing. <laughs> um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, Scott. And Thanks, I think because thank I you. think you, I think you are one of the bitches. So I think Casey and I are going to do part one, and then you're going to end it. Okay. All right. As always, love, love you. you. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 